Good evening. My name is Noelin. I'm a member here, and I'll be reading our summer scripture passage today from Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17. If you'd like a copy of the Bible, we have copies in the pews, uh, the blue copies, and feel free to uh, grab one and keep it as a gift to you. Again, we'll be reading from Proverbs 17, chap- uh, chapter 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. This is the word of the Lord. Frodo and Samwise. Drake and Josh, Pam and Jim, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, Lennon, McCartney. What do these people have in common? You might even throw Jesus and Peter in there, especially probably Jonathan and David in the Bible. Where are we going with this? Come on, I'm going to stand here all night. Friendship, yes. These are famous friends. In fact, you might say these friendships in some way change the world, maybe even your life. Friendship. Friendship is one of the most neglected gifts that God gives us, especially in the church. We assume it, but it's something we almost never ever talk about. Scripture talks about friendship. And we're going to do that tonight. My name is Jason Connor, uh, lead pastor of Portico Church Arlington. Some of you have met before, some of you haven't. Uh, we planted Doxology Church in October of 2019. Uh, you are just our pride and joy. We love you. I know you don't think about us anymore or call, but we expect that as parents. Uh, we do. And Steve is just my spiritual son in, in the ministry. I love him to death. I love Kelsey. And the reason that I'm here today is because uh, they gave birth to little man Kaladin Jude on Friday. That's right. We can give it a hand, right? Thank you, Lord. So you're going to suffer through me today, and we're going to talk about friendship. Uh, you know, the Bible, many times when we go to Scripture, we assume that we're going to learn hard theology, especially Steve's so good at preaching, and we're going to really dig deep, and that's good, and that's wonderful. But we also know that all of life is worship. Scripture has some very specific things to say about how you work, how you play, and the type of friend that you are. It's really important, and we're going to look tonight in wisdom literature to see what God has for us in the area of friendship. And if you're thinking, well, I don't even know what kind of friend I am. Well, I don't know what kind of friend you are either. I don't know what kind of friend I am, honestly, uh, but I can tell you what it feels like. Here's what friendship feels like. Think of yourself on just an awful day at work. I can think of one that I had years ago uh, as I was a new pastor at Portico Church. It was not a good day. It was actually at a a picnic where people were supposed to be celebrating. Somebody that was kind of my friend, but became one of my best friends that day. He read me, he saw it, he figured it out. Um, He knew where my heart was before even I did. And shortly thereafter, he invited me to his house. He had my favorite adult beverage. Uh, He had bread that was made, so we ate that. And he listened to me. He initiated, but he kept his mouth shut. He listened. He didn't give advice until he heard the whole story, and he just loved me, man. I felt respected. I felt cared for. That is friendship. It is very uncommon. It is something that we don't find often. 
friendship is becoming very, very scarce. So tonight we're going to look at that. We have one goal tonight. It's a very short passage, right? I think you thought maybe Noeline was maybe forgetting to read the rest of the passage. That's it. Uh, It's a different type of literature than we're used to reading. We'll talk about that briefly. But we have one goal, to understand friendship better that we might be a better friend. That's it. Uh, And God has that for us. He wants us to be good friends. So let's talk briefly about the landscape of friendship. I think that, um, I'm not going to blame this on Facebook. I think they get a bad rap. But let's just say social media has redefined friendship as connection. That is not true. Uh, you might have a thousand friends or lots of connections via social media. They have nothing to do with friendship whatsoever. You need to understand that. So it, in God's eyes, and in it, really in everybody else's eyes, social media hasn't really redefined friendship. It's diluted it. Secondly, you have something in your pocket right now, probably, uh, such that you are in an eternal conversation with every friend or connection that you've ever had. It's exhausting. Uh, People have access to you all the time. Again, it dilutes friendship. Uh, There was a survey that just came out on the backside of COVID uh, that talked about the state of friendship, and it said that, and this is from the Survey Center on American Life, It said that 60% of Americans can identify one person as their friend, and that's down from almost 80% just 20 years ago. And if we break that out by gender, men are not doing well when it comes to friendship. So we have this great technology. uh, We have access to all information. We have continuous ways to check in and be with our connections and friends, and we've never felt more isolated and lonely. That's a problem. That's a problem. As people are drawn in to hear the gospel, do they see friends? That's something that we need to think through because I think it's very important. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Now, this is wisdom literature, so before we get into it and talk about friendship, it's very different. It's, it's, it doesn't have the precision uh, and logic of, say, a letter from the Apostle Paul. It doesn't have the narrative force of Genesis or a gospel where the story just carries you along. This is Hebrew wisdom literature. Specifically, Proverbs is poetry. It gives you two lines, and it expects you to understand what those lines mean by what they don't mean. Now, we're used to precepts and law and commands, and that's good, but this has very little to do with that. The way that Hebrew poetry works is it says this, and what's more, that. And between those two statements, which many times seem contradictory, is a tension. And in that gap is all the gold in Hebrew poetry. So we will look at just that simple statement, and our goal tonight is to pull through that gap from Scripture and even experience what God is meaning when he says, a friend loves at all times, and then a brother is born for adversity. What, what is that? Are we talking about friendship? Or are we talking about family? The question would be yes. And to live in that tension as those uh, who have been redeemed by God. So we'll jump into that. And just very briefly, wisdom literature. What is wisdom? Well, 
I will just use this example. You've probably heard Steve say it before, but information will tell you that tomato is a fruit, and that's true. Wisdom will tell you not to put it into a fruit salad, right? So wisdom in Scripture is from God for this specific purpose, that you will learn to live your life along the grains of creation. The way that his world works is very specific, and wisdom is learning how to live in accordance with that. Because when we don't, we suffer. So wisdom is helping us align our life with the lines of creation. Very specifically, this verse right here, Proverbs seventeen seventeen, is you were designed for friendship. If you don't have friendship at some level, um, it's going to devalue your life. And as a believer, if you're a Christian, um, it's, it's really going to leave a gaping hole in how you learn and grow and how you really serve the Lord and enjoy him as a believer. So it's very important. Uh, l- let me pray for us, and then we're just going to jump in and see what we can get uh, from this text. Okay, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you. First and foremost, We praise you for Kaladin Jude. Um, What an amazing story you have weaved into the life of Pastor Steve and Kelsey. We just delight in it. We're just going to just publicly tell you how much we appreciate and love what you've done and how much we've been served by them. So thank you for that. Lord, thank you for your word. We can read a paragraph and it can change our life. And we can read 10 or 15 words and it can do the same. So we submit ourselves to your word. We pray that you would open it up, that we might behold its treasure, that we would never be the same, Lord, that we would be able to worship you differently tonight because of your word. So we lift this up in the name of Jesus. Amen. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. So I'm going to walk through how friendship is shaped. First is this. Friends show up. This is so key. This is, honestly, this is nothing but application. Proverbs does that a lot of times. If you can't keep a commitment, you are never going to be a friend that's worthy. Just going to say that. If you can't keep a a commitment, you're never really going to have a friend that sticks with you. That's just the brutal truth of the matter. How would Jesus have said that? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. It's simple maturity, not even spiritual maturity. This is just being a human, right? Stick with your commitments. And it's costly. So what friends do, first and foremost, is they show up. That person I was telling you about that kind of took me under their wing on a really bad day that I was having, um, well, I had to do my mom's funeral about three or four years ago, and it was on the West Coast in California. And this person happened to be living out there because they were in the Air Force, and I hadn't talked to him for a long time. He showed up out of the blue. Just black suit, ready for the funeral. I didn't know he was coming. That's what a friend does. A friend shows up. They may not always have the ability, or you may not always have the ability to show up on your friend's worst day, but find a way to do it, right? Find a way to be there for your friend. Friends show up. We really have a problem with commitment in our culture. Western culture um, holds out this idea of eternal autonomy, what is most important is my freedom. And we redefine freedom as mean lack of restriction when freedom in Scripture and God's economy is really the ability to live up to what God has called you to. That's freedom, to actually live your life as a worshiper, 
that your life actually in some way tells the story of the glory of God. That's what freedom is. So don't be afraid of commitment because when you make a commitment, especially to another human being as a friend, you are a part of that story and it weaves in and out of your life. So first, friends show up. Here's what I found about myself. You guys are fantastic. You're type A. Well, maybe you're not type A, but you're high capacity people. We kept the type Ayers over in Portico. You are high capacity people. You know what you're doing. You're highly educated. Your life is filled with, with, with work, with commitments of, 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 of projects, with good things. But when you really step back, I think what you might find is the shape of your priorities is very self-focused. The way you spend your time is really about you, which is important, right? We're to love others as we love ourselves, but the point is, if you're having a problem making a commitment, it probably has something to do with most of what you have to commit is already committed to you. You can't be a friend like that. So friends show up. Secondly, friends spend wisely. I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about the thing we all have an equal amount of. It's time. It's the great equalizer. Every single one of us has 24 hours every day. When you choose to be a friend, how you spend those hours and your energy and your emotion changes. Man, being a friend's exhausting. I'm just going to tell that out there. Now, there's an energy that comes to it because you're embodied by the Spirit of God. You're empowered by God to be like this, right? Obedience has its own blessing. But it is costly. So friends spend wisely on their friends. What does that mean? Well, it can mean a lot of things. Um, first of all, just be reminded that your connections, your work partners, your acquaintances are not friends. Now, you can be friendly to them, and some of your best friends might be in these categories, but don't mistake people that are in proximity to your life as your friends. Friendship is based on commitment. Friends show up, and it's based on you spending your life for them. Now, now, to be sure, we should be friendly to all people. If there's not a genuine warmth in your home, in your church, that's odd, right? That shouldn't be. Everybody should be able to come in and be meted like be greeted by friends however spend wisely on your friends uh did a little bit of research for this uh so social science will tell you that it takes about 50 hours to move from acquaintance to some kind of a friend to get into the friend zone right it takes about 90 hours of commitment to transition to what you would consider oh yeah that's my friend that's a lot 200 hours for a really good friend, an intimate friend that you can share your life with. Who has 200 hours to schedule in the rest of 21? Anybody? What about next year? Could you schedule out 200 hours for somebody? Do you, you, you see that? It just doesn't, we're not built for this. We are, but our lives don't seem to give us room to do that. We can learn from Jesus in this. When we say Jesus wrote himself into the story of creation, or God did in the person of Jesus, he takes on flesh. Look at his life. Jesus had friends, but he didn't have a lot of them. He wasn't a friend to everybody. He walked past a lot of people that wanted to be his friend. Why is that? Because he's God the Son. 
Why, why shouldn't he be a friend of all? Well, Jesus in his incarnation actually chose to live in flesh as a real person, as a real man, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit like we do, reading the Old Testament as we do, and walking in faith in ways we don't. Many times we say he lived a perfect life. It doesn't mean he was an X-man or something superhuman. It means that he lived out his humanness in fullness and in wholeness, walking in faith to God the Father as God the Son. And he had 12 good friends, didn't he? His disciples. This wasn't just a working relationship. He loved these dudes. He had friends that were women, right? He had a lot of friends, but he narrowed that funnel down to 12 people. And even of those 12 people, he wasn't equitable in how he spent his time. He poured into three people, Peter, James, and John, much more than the other 12. That's how friendships work. I'm just going to tell you that. You can't be everybody's friend. You can be friendly. You can be family in a church. But the friendship that Proverbs is talking about is a love that doesn't stop. It's talking about a family, brotherhood, sisterhood type of friendship. You can't be everybody's friend. So let me talk to two camps here. I'm going to talk to the extroverts first. I'm a little bit of an extrovert. I don't know why. I used to be an introvert, and my wife was an extrovert, and over the years we switched positions because I think we just, I don't know why. You can't have two extroverts, right? We'd kill each other. But extroverts, you can't, I'm going to speak for the introverts for a minute. You can't be everybody's friend. Stop trying to be everybody's friend. It's exhausting. We love you. You're exhausted. We're exhausted. Don't try to take that relationship of acquaintance to a level of intimacy and deepness that it doesn't belong to it yet. If you haven't put the time in, if we really aren't friends like that, don't assume it. But you can have good friends. All right, flip that. Introverts, you can have a friend. You can have one, one good friend will change your life. You can have one friend, but I'm exhausted and I'm anxious in social situations and I don't like people. I get that, especially if you work in a social setting or a caregiver or something. You can have a friend, pay the cost, show up, spend wisely, have a friend. It's good. It's hard, but it's good. One of the minor miracles of Jesus, and maybe you've heard this before, is that he was a single man in his 30s and had 12 good friends. There you have it. We, we ignore that, and it's kind of funny because it's so uncommon, but friendship was a big part of his life. Okay, so we're called to show up. Friends show up. They spend wisely. Third, they give access to people. So if you're not giving appropriate levels of access to your friend or friends, then you're going to stunt the growth of that friendship. It will stop right there and go no further. So friends give access. Now, that means a lot of things, but it means you're sharing your hopes, your dreams, your struggles, your strengths. They start to know you like you know you, right? Isn't our goal of God? We don't want to know about God. I want to know God as God knows himself. That's why he reveals himself through scripture. That's where the spirit's leading you. Even for friendship in a small way, we want to know our friends like they understand themselves. And many times, strangely, we can actually help them do that. But um, give access. What this doesn't mean is that you just vomit everything that you're feeling and everything that's ever happened in your life to all your friends. 
Don't do that. Again, that's overwhelming. Um, I think in Christian circles, many times, we believe that authenticity and vulnerability is really important, but it, and it is, but it takes on a weird Christian dynamic where we, we just, we say things in groups where the strengths of the relationships aren't there yet. And we reveal things that really aren't, people don't know what to do with it. So here's a quick check. Let the strength of your words or the intensity of your words go no further than the intensity of your relationship. So that means maybe you're only sharing some of the deepest things you have with maybe one or two people and you scale that back as you get into bigger groups. That's reasonable, right? Jesus said in John 15, no longer do I call you servants. He's talking to his disciples for the servant doesn't know what his master's doing. In other words, you don't have access to it. But I have called you friends. That's staggering. For all that I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. So Jesus says right here, the Spirit of God reveals to me what the Father wants from me. And I'm going to let you know things right now that aren't going to make sense to you, but I'm your friend. I'm calling you my friends. Jesus even told his disciples, hey, I'm going to wash your feet. You're not going to get it but it's so critical to you. And I'm going to tell you what it means. I'm going to tell you a new commandment. And, and you'll, you'll get it. But he's, re, he's revealing his own heart. Matthew eleven twenty eight again. Come to me, right? I am gentle. I am lowly. Jesus actually reveals his own heart to his closest friends. That's access. That's dangerous. That's why it happens in the context of friendship. No access, no friendship. So friends give access. So here's a check. Um, Do you have anybody in your life that's a friend who can confront you? Or let's just forget that. Who has confronted you? Forget a thought experiment. Has any of your friends ever confronted you? And I'm not talking about somebody you never see. Because if your friends are only allowed to affirm you, they're, maybe they're not friends. Maybe they're part of your posse, your squad, or people that are in and out of your life. But if you can't handle a hard word, maybe, maybe they're not friends. So understand that I'm not going to affirm everything that my friends do. I would expect the same. Iron sharpens iron. Now, it doesn't mean it has to be harsh or mean or unkind. It might be something as simple as, hey, it's weird that you said that to the other person because that seemed weird. I I don't, where are you going with that? Or I don't get what you're doing at your job because you told me this, but then you're doing that. Um, I'm confronting you as a friend. I'm speaking into your life. So friends, give access. Hey, if you died tonight, is there anybody on this earth that would know all your important stuff is? Your passwords and things that are really important to you? Anybody? Give access. Fourth, friends serve and are served. Now, you guys are Christians, and we, again, our community is really good at serving. Your community is really good at serving. Here's what you're not good at. You're not good at letting someone serve you. You have friend debt guilt just like that. You don't like it. It's like, Ooh, it feels like a sunburn. I don't want you to do that. Um, it, it, it makes everybody awkward. So you need to learn how to depend on the kindness of others. Friendship does that. So learning how to do that. Do, well, don't I initiate and reciprocate? Yeah, you do. But 
part of being a friend is learning how to let others just take care of you. Now, as you get older in life, like much older than me, right? But really, as you get older in life, you kind of give away your death. You kind of let people take care of you. That's your role at that point. And it allows younger generations to serve and to work out what Jesus means when he says it's better to give than receive. Now, we're not there yet, are we? But the truth is you need as a friend to learn how to let people serve you and to depend on that kindness. And, and, and guess what? Not just in the covenant community, not just in the church. One of the quickest ways to build a bridge to somebody who doesn't believe in the gospel is to receive their kindness, man. Like, you know how this works. You're like, oh no, I haven't taken cookies over to my neighbor and I'm a Christian, and I should do that. Well, first of all, doing that's not missional. That's just called being a human being. But maybe you're busy that week, and they bring a beautiful gift basket over to you. This has actually happened to us. And you're like, oh, wow, wine and cheese and stuff. And I know you're not a believer because you told me that, and now I feel really stupid, and I don't even want this anymore. Man, just take it. It's got wine and cheese in it, right? God made wine and cheese. So, Eat it and enjoy it and depend on their kindness. You will actually open up avenues in that relationship to reveal uh, things that you can only reveal in a, in a good relationship. So you should build ways to depend on one another, uh, even in people that aren't in the church. So friends show up, they spend wisely, they give access, they are serving and being served. I can't even believe I had to put this one in here. It's hard to get it out of or out of um, Proverbs, but I'm just going to say it. Friends, have fun. If you're not having fun with your friends, uh, do it. We need to have an intervention, right? Have have fun with your friends. God loves that. God is not glorified by a miserable relationship. Now, sometimes friendship is miserable because. People are going through miserable things. But generally speaking, have fun with your friends. Um, Let me quote C.S. Lewis. I'm going to paraphrase it. If you bore one another, don't meet. You're wasting your time. People who interest one another should meet often. That's wisdom. Now, there are times to, man, you just, we love, because we love people that aren't our friends, right? Too. But this, this text is not talking about that. It's talking about your closest friends, at least the, the approach we're taking here. So have fun. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about how men and women are different. Um, and this comes out of social science. You can look it up. Men and women communicate differently. When men communicate, they gen- this is a caricature or a generality, so work with me. Generally, when they men communicate, they communicate for position and solution. So it's comforting for us men to understand when we're with other men where I fit into this pack. It's really not competition. I just, you know, I'm, who am I going to talk to? Like, how's this going to work out? And we love to solve things. Here's what we don't like to do. We don't like to sit in a circle and look at each other in the eyes and talk. That's very strange for most men. Men communicate best when they're doing something, golfing, um, whatever, watching something, video games. So it's, it's something that's active. So if you're a man and you're having trouble communicating with your friend, go do something together. Now in Christian 
culture. A lot of times we feel like it's not really friendship unless we're sitting in a circle and talking about the Bible. That's important, but your friendship can go beyond that. Do something. Um, I remember that one of my best friends, it's the same guy I'm just talking about, where we where we really became lifelong friends is when he took his car, his Subaru WRX to my garage when I wasn't even home, put it up on blocks and said, hey, we're going to change the timing belt. And it took us a month to do it. You know, there was a lot of words that happened, you know, as we're busting knuckles and trying to figure this out, but we got it done. And man, did we learn a lot about each other. You know, I learned a lot of words that we didn't, you know, hey, don't tell people I said that I'm supposed to be a pastor. But like, you know what I mean? We learned about one another in that project. So there's that. Secondly, women um, generally, when they communicate, they can communicate just fine in a, in, a, in a setting just to communicate. In other words, they can get together for the purpose of communicating because they communicate for, for connection. That's one of the primary goals uh, um, or instincts if you will, that women have. And it works great. Women are just more instinctive emotionally. They connect things better. And when they, they can sit in a group and they can communicate eye to eye and it's not weird for them. So why do I say that? Just know a little bit about yourself. Maybe you're like, well, I'm a woman. I don't do that. Okay, great. Communicate how, the, how it makes sense to you. But sometimes we force our communication and our friendship into structures that don't work for us. So have fun together, please. Um, Number six, friends listen. Very important. Uh, One of the most common problems in marriages is you hear one another, but you don't listen. It's the same in friendship. The way to listen is to close your mouth and actively listen to what the person's saying. This is harder for men because we don't communicate as effectively or as precisely, usually. And so actually, men have to key in on body language a little bit more. Some people are really good at this, but listen to your friend. Maybe your friend doesn't want to come out and give a big excursus on where their heart is today. Maybe you just have to figure it out. Maybe you just have to listen. Maybe you just have to be there. But be there and listen to them. Ask some questions before you give advice. Maybe they don't want advice. Maybe they just want their friend to be quiet and sit and watch some TV with them or like take a walk with them. You'll be amazed at what you'll hear when you just spend time. But friends need to listen. Um, I remember I was, I met a friend that I hadn't seen for years, not too, well, it was probably a year ago. We were walking through the city and I saw him and we just kind of hit I'm like, you. He's like, you. And he's, an, he's not a believer, and, but we had become good friends, and he's a, a Navy pilot, and we just, we spent the whole day together. And since he hadn't seen me for a long time, one of the first things he said is, hey, you know what? I know you're a pastor and all that, but you don't really seem like one. I, I never know if that's good or bad, right? It's probably bad, especially when he said it. He's like, are you one of those Christians that thinks that you need to save me and you're going to sit like our whole, the whole time we're together, you're like strategizing on how to make me say the sinner's prayer. I was like, well, I am a pastor, so do the math, you know? Yeah, kind of, but not the way you mean it. So let's back that up because he has very strong opinions. And I said, that might be true, but aren't we all evangelists for the thing that we value most? For instance, he's very much into politics. 
It's like, you have a worldview that you want to influence me with, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm like, okay, so can we just stipulate that as friends, we want to show you the thing that has influenced us the, mo- the most. And as a Christian, that's going to be the gospel. That's going to be the living God. And if you're going to be a friend, you need to know that. You don't need to believe that, but that's it. And so that kind of honestly broke down some, some walls there. Um, so yeah, listen. And sometimes you might need to have that conversation. Lastly, here's what friends do. Because maybe you've listened and, and you haven't, as you're thinking about this proverb, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born from adversity. Maybe you just realized, as Luke was saying, speaking about contrition, maybe you've just realized, I'm a terrible friend. That was supposed to be funny. Um, maybe you've, no, seriously, maybe you're like, I am not a good friend. And you don't have to have a lot of friends. Remember, being a good friend doesn't mean you have a lot of friends. Most people can only handle one good friend. So, man, don't despair. Own that. We're all bad friends. So as Christians, man, we, we own that and we can repent. We don't have to lose ourselves in this. And we can listen to this proverb. We can listen to the words of Jesus. And we can start again. We can take the next step. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Then he says, greater love has no one than this. He that lays his life down for his friends. Understand the power of what Jesus is saying there. Now, the Proverbs, we can't get there based on just what we see in the Proverbs because it does connect friendship with family. Jesus actually makes that happen. Do you believe that God loves you? You don't even have to be a Christian to, to answer that in the affirmative. Most people say, yeah, if there's a God, I'm sure he loves us. Most believers don't have a problem with that. You just don't really believe that God likes you. You don't have the imagination to believe that God the Son said, oh yeah, I'm laying my life down, not just for the sheep, but for my friends. It's hard for you to believe that Jesus actually wants to walk through your life with you. He wants to experience your, your life with you. He wants you to call on him. He wants you to understand his character by experience. He wants you to see that in real time. He calls you a friend. And it's not the only time it's happened in the Bible. James 2.23 is quoting Genesis 15.6, where it's talking about the fact that Abraham had faith and God credited to him his righteousness. And then James goes on to say, give some commentary, and God considered Abraham his faith friend. There's a holy friendship that comes to you on the gospel, and Jesus lays his life down for his friends, and he says that's how love works. Can you live in a relationship with the living God 
where he doesn't just take your sin upon himself, where he doesn't just pay the penalty, endure the wrath, walk out of the tomb, opening up access to the Father, ascending to the right hand of the Father, pouring out the Holy Spirit. We're we're there, but can you live in a relationship where Jesus calls you his friend and isn't joking about that, where he wants to be with you? Nobody is in a better position to be a friend than someone who has God as friend. We can say with confidence, just from what we read in Proverbs, that love is the foundation of friendship. It is. Love is the foundation of friendship. And Jesus displays that in the gospel in a way that is staggering. He's calling you friend. And we know that that's, right, not horizontal, it's vertical. And here's what that means. Jesus deserves your worship. Whether you know him or not, he's God the Son. He came to redeem all of earth. But he gave you his friendship. That should take your breath away. He's earned your worship. Again, whether you know him or not. But because of his love for you, he's handing you friendship. So we should just be better friends. We should learn from that. We should receive that. Like, is God a friend like that to you? Again, a lot of times Orthodox Christians, oh, I don't want to see God as my friend. That seems too heretical. I get it. You, you, it, but you're not minimizing God because if you don't see yourself as the friend of Jesus, you're minimizing his words. So live in that for a minute. That, man, you can, you can learn how to walk as a friend in any place when God is your friend. So now what? This is the thing I would ask of you. And I believe the text does. Just one thing. Just be a friend. That's it. Well, how? You said all these things. Let's do this together. Today, make contact with one person that's your friend or you want to be a friend with and let that contact now create a commitment. You're committing to see a friend, to be with a friend, to learn about a friend. That's it. Just make contact. But let that contact transition right now into a commitment. And let the Lord work in that relationship. God created you to have friends. God himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is friendship, is love. So let's be friends. That's the call of the text today. We have a lot of work to do. And we're doing it in grace. What a great and wonderful thing. Let's join together in that. Heavenly Father, we thank you when we praise you that you would call us friends. Heavenly Father, that you would call Abraham not just faithful, but a friend. Jesus, that you would explain love actually looks like me laying my life down for friends. I pray that that becomes very specific to us, 
We can feel the awkwardness even now as we listen to those words, but I pray that we can relax into that. And I pray that you would create us as a great community of friends. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.